The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Todd Askew, AMA Senior Vice President of Advocacy in Washington, D.C. He's going to take us through some updates on key advocacy issues that are very important to physicians. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Todd, great to have you back. Why don't we start uh, with a big win uh, from the advocacy team related uh, to provider relief uh, reporting. Uh, what is the issue here? Talk us through uh, what physicians need to know in this regard. Sure. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me back. Um, so you'll recall back in the early part of the pandemic, the federal government was in a rush to get some, uh, some support out to physician practices uh, to make sure that they would be able to keep some revenue flowing uh, to make up for you know, a, lack of, a lack of patients, but also you know, so that it'd still be available uh, to provide needed care. Um, and so uh, the first phase of this provider relief funding for most physicians, just, it just appeared in their, check, in their banking accounts. Uh, as a percentage of their of their Medicare um, uh, receipts, uh, with the notation that hey, at some point we may come back and we're going to ask you to report on this. But they were in such a rush to get it out, they never really defined you know what type of reporting would be done. You know, it would be for physicians who receive more than uh, ten thousand dollars, and so then it kind of left this you know something may be coming, but we don't know what it is. Uh, for physicians to uh, be on the lookout for. Now, in terms of timing, this is where AMA weighed in to uh, help physicians. Right. So what happened was uh, sometime later, last this past year, uh, CMS decided, oh, we're going to ask physicians to report on what they did with this money. And they sent out the request for reports to any physician who had received more than $10,000 uh, in, in, in provider relief funding uh, in this first phase. Uh, the problem was uh, a lot of the people they sent it to didn't work there anymore. That maybe a practice had an administrator who was the contact or uh, somebody that had quit or moved to another job or, you know, just had a new email address. And so for many, many practices, I think about 16,000 recipients, uh, they never got any information back from them. And really starting uh, very soon, they were going to start requiring this money to be repaid. Uh, despite the fact that a lot of these physicians never even knew uh, that they were, they, were supposed, they were supposed to report. And uh, uh, thankfully, AMA uh, secured an extension for that. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah, so, and so we worked with the specialties. So we contacted CMS. We, we made sure that they understood that they were about to start recouping this money from physicians who would have no idea why because they had never received any communication. And so uh, CMS reopened the portal. They said that, uh, if physicians could demonstrate some hardship, they didn't have to prove it. They just had to say, you know, we didn't get the email or we, you know, changed practice location or something like that. A CMS uh, would allow them once they had claimed a reason uh, for not being able to report uh, to to report, you know, in a delayed fashion uh, and avoid recoupment. So that that period is just now closing, and you can say, I am going to uh, I'm going to still report even though I didn't know about it earlier. And we should start seeing um, we should start seeing physicians be able to file those reports with CMS uh, any day now and uh, and avoid and avoid um, uh, uh, recoupment of those funds. Uh, 
So great work on that extension. Is there uh, uh, any additional work that'll be done uh, in this arena? Yeah, I think probably likely because this is, I said, this was phase one, right? There were two additional phases and money went out in similar ways, not exactly the same way, but uh, it is expected that there will be, well, there will be reporting requirements for those phases. And we're going to have to work very closely. We'll continue to work closely with CMS uh, to make sure that the physicians uh, who are, who need to report actually get that information and know that they need to report so we don't find ourselves in the situation again for reporting requirements for uh, subsequent phases of, of the provider relief funding. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Now, we haven't talked about the Affordable Care Act uh, in some time, but there was another AMA advocacy win uh, uh, in, in that regard. Tell us what's happening there and what it could mean for uninsured Americans. Oh, yeah, the, this, is a, this is a really important development that the AMA, uh, other providers, the patient advocacy community, really everybody's been working on really since day one uh, of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so the Affordable Care Act basically allowed people, even if they had access to employer-sponsored insurance, but it wasn't affordable, uh, which was defined as a percentage of of their income, I think it was like eight and a half percent, I may be a little bit off there, they would be eligible for subsidies uh, to purchase Affordable Care Act coverage, really highly subsidized coverage that would make care extremely affordable if they could not afford uh, the coverage offered by their employer. Uh, The problem was, and the way the statute was drafted and the way that it was initially interpreted by the Obama administration, They said that that determination of affordability only applied to individual coverage. So if an employee, an employer offered individual coverage that was affordable for the employee by the definition, however, the family coverage they offered may not be affordable for the employer, that individual's family would not be eligible for ACA tax credits just because the individual could afford individual insurance but couldn't afford family insurance. So you had about 5 million people who were potentially affected by this, uh, by this um, interpretation. Now, many of those were already insured. They had uh, found a way to afford the employer coverage. They had insurance through other jobs. They were covered through other means. Uh, But you had a lot of people that potentially should have had access to affordable coverage through the ACA who did not because of this interpretation uh, of the statute. Now, advocates, AMA included, have been talking with, uh, with the Obama administration, with the Trump administration, and now with the Biden administration about the ability we feel they had to reinterpret the statute around the issue of affordability. And the Biden administration has now done that. And so they have, re- they have reinterpreted um, uh, what it means to be, have access to affordable coverage to include uh, family coverage. And we think probably at least 200,000 people are going to be able to gain health insurance uh, because of uh, this reinterpretation. So it's just a further strengthening of the Affordable Care Act's promise uh, that, that families will have access to affordable uh, health insurance. So it's a great, it's, great. A great, it's a great thing, yeah. Great news. 
Uh, and finally, uh, the AMA also commented on the CDC's proposed updated guideline for prescribing opioids. Uh, we learned a little bit about uh, uh, this uh, and the uh, overdose epidemic uh, in a recent episode we had with Dr. Bobby McConnell, our AMA board chair and chair of the AMA Substance Use and Pain Care Task Force. Um, can you provide an update on that? Yeah, so um, back in 2016, um, CDC offered guidelines for prescribing opioids. Uh, in, that, in those guidelines, uh, they put specific uh, dosage and day limits uh, for what they thought was appropriate uh, for prescribing, uh, for, op for opioid prescribing. However, many people took CDC's um, guidelines and kind of interpret them as a standard that would be a hard limit and that saying it would be inappropriate in all cases uh, to provide uh, opioids to patients at a higher uh, dosage or longer duration uh, than, was, than was laid out in CDC's, in CDC's guidelines. And so that pre presented a real dilemma uh, for uh, patients who had real problems with pain that was not addressed by those uh, lower limits or shorter, or shorter durations. Uh, so we have, and as others have, but AMA's had a very strong voice here in pressing CDC uh, to clarify, to say, these are not like supposed to be absolute limits. These are, this is general guidance. And so uh, just recently, um, CDC did that and they have in, uh, reissued guidelines uh, in 2022, uh, have emphasized that, look, these, these, are, these are guidelines but they are not a replacement for clinical judgment or for individualized person-centered care. That in the professional judgment of the physician, if a different dose or different duration is needed, that is entirely appropriate, you know, as long as the, the, you know, the, the physician is acting um, uh, in the best interest of, of that patient. And so that's a, that's, that's been a, that's been a really, um, it's been a really, uh, big win uh, for pain patients and a big win for physicians who struggled uh, to, to help their patients uh, make sure that their pain was able to be under control. We have time for one more question, Todd, and uh, I want to ask you uh, about another area of AMA advocacy, which is about prioritizing maternal health. Uh, we've seen some success there with additional funding. What's the latest news on that front? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we were very pleased that in the recently enacted 2022 Omnibus Appropriations Bill, uh, about a billion dollars worth of maternal health uh, care priorities uh, were emphasized. I think, you know, we have been paying a lot of attention to maternal health. Uh, it is kind of one of the embodiment of the inequities in the healthcare system uh, because women of color tend to suffer uh, from um, a maternal uh, death uh, a lot, a lot more than, uh, than, than others. Um, and the state of maternal health care in the United States uh, does not stack up very well, quite frankly, to much of the, to much of the industrialized world. So uh, we were really pleased the administration and Congress have both been very active in emphasizing support for maternal health uh, programs. Uh, and, and the AMA is really pleased uh, that, that this is a continuing theme. I don't think this will be the end of it. I think that they've, they've, they've uh, funded some really important programs here. Uh, some innovative programs that we support, and other things like not just healthcare, but like implicit bias training uh, for healthcare professionals, um, making sure that there's integrated healthcare services uh, both during and after pregnancy. 
uh, maternal vaccination awareness initiatives, uh, a lot of effort on rural uh, maternal care. So a broad range of programs to address this real um, uh, glaring problem uh, in the U.S. healthcare system and, and a serious problem uh, when it comes to uh, equitable healthcare. Well, Todd, these are some big wins for uh, for patients and physicians. Uh, and member out there, uh, your membership of the AMA supports advocacy like this um, that you hear about today. So we invite you to stand with us. That's it for today's episode. Todd, thanks for being here. We'll continue to update uh, all the folks out there on our advocacy efforts. Uh, we'll be back with another movie medicine video and podcast soon. In the meantime, don't miss another episode. Hit subscribe on that YouTube channel or find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.